Hey there, believers. Let's get through this commercial break first so we can enjoy a full show. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you want to be prepared for anything that could happen in day-to-day life or when disaster strikes? From the office to the outdoors, then please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check out the packs that they have to offer. They're made in America, and I mean every single piece of fabric, hardware, buckle, and frame. All the labor, too, is right here in America. So when you buy from Squatch Survival Gear, you're supporting multiple small businesses right here at home. I've become good friends with Chris. Um, He's a military vet. So all of these packs are made to mill spec. All right, so they're all military standard packs. They're good for everything. These things are virtually bomb proof. I promise you, I own two of them. I have the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. They cannot be beaten. I've, I've had gear all my life. I had gear in the military. I have gear when I go hunting. I have gear for camping. The Squatch Survival Gear changes the game. All right, I, I take one to work every day. I take the Mothman pack with me to work. Just use it as a regular backpack, but it's so functional. It, it's, it's just unbelievable quality. All right, so please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Now, to save 15% site-wide, I encourage you to use promo code 23BUMP, that's 23BUMP, to save 15% site-wide. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So now that we have this knowledge, we have to remember to walk in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it 
cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Happy Halloween. Hey there, believers. Got a great episode for you today. This week, we're bringing back Garrett. He was on a past episode, and we'll get into all of that here in just a little while. But I just wanted to give you a brief overview of what we got going on here. Garrett, um, he's coming back to add some details, kind of flesh some stuff out, and give updates about what's been going on. Uh, If you're into spooky season, if you needed just a little bit more at the end of Halloween here, this is it for you. We have ghost dogs. We have shadow man. We have aliens. Uh, it's, you know, I don't want to say fun because this is Garrett's life. So it's not so fun. It's, it, it's real. But for the listener, it's a good classic episode. You guys are going to love it. All right. So just hang on tight. Thank you all for sticking along for the last three and a half years, over 200 episodes. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Um, but let's go ahead and just bring Garrett on the show. Oh, let's, let's jump into it. Oh, and if you don't celebrate Halloween, happy All Saints Day. Today's November 1st. So either way, just enjoy the show. If you got a minute, um, get on your podcast apps and rate this show. Give it a five-star rating and review, please. It helps me climb up in the charts and more people see it and word gets out and we can help lead others to solutions, to comfort, or just to share something weird. All right. Um, Just blessed to be here. I'm very thankful for you guys. Um, it's, It's humbling. It's humbling to to get some of these emails and um, to to be able to have the opportunity to pray for some of you um, and you guys pray for me. Uh, I love that and I appreciate it. I made some really good friends through this show. Um, I won't get sappy. Let's just have a good time and bring Garrett on the show. So, well, glad to be back on again, but uh, a few things I forgot the last time. Um, give me a minute here and collect my thoughts on where I want to start. Uh, probably start with uh, one of the smaller ones that I left out. Uh, so I, I lived in northwestern Colorado, as I mentioned, and we actually lived in development just outside of town, so you'd have to get on US 40 to get into town and so uh, I'm hitting in one day. I don't remember what I was doing, you know, so I was probably in that, you know, 17 to 20 range, hmm. you know, back in the early 2000s. And uh, 
I just started getting more into dogs and really fascinated with the Irish wolfhounds. If you've ever seen one of those. Oh yeah. So, uh, as I'm driving in well after dark over on the left-hand side of the road, as I'm heading East, uh, there was something that looked rather like an Irish wolfhound, except it, the shoulders were about somewhere in the five to six foot range. Oh my so, you know, yeah, you know, it's completely dark, wasn't moving, uh, just standing there on the side of the road, uh, facing into the westbound lane, you know, looking back over his shoulder at me. You know, something I've noticed across a couple of these stories is how often all of this stuff links back to stuff I'd seen previously or experienced before. You know, period of time where I see, you know, starting to find out about Irish wolfhounds. Well, then I see something that looks rather like it because they're rather distinctive with very long legs and a very curly, gnarly coat. Right. So, uh, you know, and at that height, you know, wolf dogs can get rather large. Well, this was way too large for that. Had a lot of uh, just different, you know, greyhounds still not large enough, don't have the curly coat, you know, and that and it was all black, you know, more like a shadow than it was, you know, except it's blocking out all the light, almost like it was absorbing all of it. So, um, wow. Uh, yeah. 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 What it was be interesting to know if anybody else has seen something in the same vein, you know, you hear enough stories, but when you start, you know, maybe somebody saw it in the same time period, same rough area, it'd be interesting, but you know, a lot of these things, unfortunately, I just, I'm not going to get to know in this lifetime. Right. So, well, yeah. But, uh, I got so it was five foot at the shoulder on all fours. Yeah. And it is it in the median, you said, or is it on the on the on the side of the road? Well it was just uh it's just a two lane, you know, oh, okay. uh US highway. You know, it's not divided or anything, and it was off on that shoulder and uh you know, which if it had been anything physical, it would have made sense because, you know, it's one of those you come up over the hill with a higher hill up above it. So right. there ends up being a lot of roadkill right there. So, but, uh, you know, like I said, the only, you know, I'd been willing to write it off. Maybe my mind blew the proportions out of whack if it hadn't been sitting within, you know, 60 feet of a lamppost, you know, but no, no reflection, no shine of a coat no color hmm. you know like i said almost like it was absorbing all the light wow and you know there was no movement that i saw you know whether or not i looked in the rear view mirror to see if it was still behind me i don't recall so right but uh hmm. but yeah <laughs> yeah that's very interesting yeah uh did it did it give you any kind of feeling at the time? No, no, it was one of those. You know, it's that type of road. You just you're watching for deer, deer. antelope. Yeah, you know, that time of year. And, oh yeah. So it's one of those files that way and keep scanning just in case you miss something coming across the road. So, but uh, well, 
head me on to another one. Uh, for a very short and depressing period of time, I lived in Sydney, Nebraska. And uh, we lived well outside of town. I was working for Cabela's, which probably why I will not step foot in the Cabela's anymore. Because <laughs> we were... Yeah, we were at the home distribution center there in Sydney where it all started. Because it was an old army ammo dump from pre-World War One. It was one of those, I think it was seven miles you could walk warehouse to warehouse without ever doubling back or going outside. Because they had these uh, just hallways connecting all of these different uh, warehouses and you know, was in uh, surplus army housing. You know, it's, I think the stove in it, it was heated by a stove, was dated 1918 or 1908, somewhere in that time frame. Oh. If you've ever been there, it gets cold in the winter because there ain't a whole lot to break up the wind. Right. So, but anyway, so I was driving back in. Cause like I said, it was a couple miles outside of Sydney you know, as you're heading west, you know, to the distribution center with this surplus army housing and uh, coming up just a winding road through near a little ravine coming up a hill and, you know, came across whether you want to call it a shadow person. It didn't really present like, you know, the, the hat and the red eyes and loose clothes, but, you know, looked more like the silhouette of, you know, Something you'd see in the Grapes of Wrath, you know, mm. that, you know, turn of the century clothing. And, uh, but it was a long, tall, very lean silhouette, eight feet tall, you know, which talked to my dad about it a little bit later on that night. And he, uh, well, did it look like Bigfoot? No, but can you expand on what you know about that one? <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know, it was just one of those fleeting one off scenarios that has happened a couple times, so Yeah. You know, and but uh Well let me well, ask you on that. Um did, does it fit the description of what people are calling the flannel man? Have you heard that one? No, I haven't. It's it's a very I guess it's it's a silhouette, but it's got a little bit of a, enough of a coloration that you can make out that it's wearing a flannel shirt. Uh, no, this one, it wasn't as solid as the dog, but it was definitely casting some kind of shadow, which maybe I've got this one turned around in my head because the shadow was coming towards me, except it was after dark, which wouldn't make a single bit of sense because there's not a street light out there or anything. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I can remember it wasn't, didn't seem completely solid, but it was enough of a distinct shape to see, you know, for whatever reason, just the silhouette, you know, reminds you of something you'd see for like the depression era or, uh, you know, the coal mines down around your area way back in the day, with like, you know, baggy coveralls and a, you know, tattered hat type of, you know, like more like a ball cap, but you know, he didn't look like the person was doing very well, just as thin as the uh, silhouette was. And you know, it's all kind of vague impressions at that point, but you know, that's kind of 
the way my mind put it together. So, yeah. Wow. You know, but it was also, it was big enough. It wouldn't have been a shadow cast by anything because there's nothing taller than knee high grass out there. Right. So, yeah. And it but, couldn't have been a shadow if there's nothing for it to have a backdrop. You know, if you're just out, you know what I mean? If yeah. you're out there, that's got to be some kind of figure. Yeah. You know, again, you're running into the weird height proportions and everything else. Yeah. So. Hmm. But um, uh, do you want me to recap that demonic attachment I had from I spoke about in the last episode? Or yeah, that way, if people haven't heard that episode, they can then get a quick overview. Okay. Um, well, this. Started back when I was living in Craig, Colorado. Uh, we were down in the floodplain of the river one night, just being stupid, thinking we know anything about supernatural world. And uh, I was the only one of the three of us that that saw this. But uh, you know, I turned around because they're both facing back towards town, which you know they would have been facing north at that point, and. Uh, I just, you know, you feel the eyes on you. So, you know, you turn around, you do, you know, that slow scanning, start looking for anything that looks out of the ordinary, any hard lines, anything like that. And see this thing that's actually relatively short. I don't know, four and a half, five feet. You know, at the moment, my memories kind of fade in and out with that. So I apologize. <laughs> I'm a little less precise, but I can still remember, you know, it had a very stocky barrel chest, very spindly thin limbs, mm -hmm. uh, not overly long. It had an upside down triangle for a head, relatively flat front and back and kind of rounded around the edges, you know, with, uh, you know, the alien gray kind of, uh, reverse teardrop eyes pointing yeah. in towards the center of the face, you know, very big, again, completely black. Uh, the skin was, you know, almost like if you saw a bug, you know, it has a, just a little bit of shine to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, overall of its body, it looked almost like tree roots, you know, which, okay, what, what's going on with that? <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of those things, in a very bad way it seemed to only have eyes for me mm -hmm. and uh you know this thing would kind of pop up from time to time i'd get a very specific headache you know that always let me know either that it was that or that it was nearby and coming you know and eventually you know years after my salvation uh when i was living in san antonio uh Almost like God said, hey, pay attention. I'm sure to show you where this thing is at. And, you know, it, I had this view in my mind's eye of part of the city, about two miles away, mile or two away. And, uh, you know, nothing was really told to me. It's just I could see it almost like it was running into a wall and reacting pain. You know, basically, I took as God saying, this, this is as close as it will ever get to you again. Amen. You know, because at that point, I was starting to get very, very serious about my faith for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
but uh, but actually stepping back a couple of years, was living uh, with my second wife on uh, east side of Cleveland. Yeah, fabulous neighborhood. <laughs> but uh, you know, we happened to be right on that line of two blocks, one direction. We couldn't even get to the grocery store because our credit wasn't good enough. You know, and then two blocks the other direction, you heard gunshots every night in the summer. Yeah. You know, just, you know, weird little area. We we had rented this place. We had the downstairs of a three-story plus a basement carpenter that uh, she used to nanny for the couple upstairs. And uh, I, you know, it wasn't horrible, but I wasn't thrilled with the place, especially when... uh, the landlord and the guy upstairs would go down in the basement to smoke their pot and it'd kind of be coming up, you know, through the floorboards because, you know, it was well-maintained, but it was still a, you know, turn-of-the-century house or something like that. You know, it had some wear and tear on it. And uh, it was one of those, I've, I've never been afraid of the dark. Actually, for a lot of my life, I actually prefer to be out and moving around in the dark you know, whatever reason. And, um, but the back stairs down to the basement where we had, you know, a couple of washers and dryers, it was all I could do to keep myself from taking those stairs at a dead run, both directions. You know, it was just a very uncharacteristic sense of dread, you know? And in fact, a lot of times I couldn't even stop myself. I was sprinting those stairs. So, you know, and uh, there was a lot of times you'd be down in the basement. You know, it's a Cleveland basement. It's always going to be dark and dingy and creepy. But, uh, you know, you could just feel the eyes on you and you'd never see anything. But, uh, we, you know, plus I wasn't ecstatic with the upstairs neighbors because they were just neo-hippies. You know, worried about their carbon footprint and constantly composting, even though they really didn't know how to work a garden. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a I'm a dog person. It doesn't matter how mean the dog is, I'm gonna like the dog. Yeah. And this family was terrified of dogs, which is my first sign of get away. I don't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just I you know, you go up to their apartment, they'd have pictures of North Vietnamese army camps and North Vietnamese POW camps and, you know, books on Lenin and Mao, you know, Marx and Engels. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I went up there once, wouldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, we started having just more and more odd feelings and because you know it's like i said we were on the ground floor you know it was you know it wasn't horrible but it wasn't very nice and, uh, uh my my oldest boy uh Wyatt, he he'd actually been born three and a half months premature and uh we actually ended up with irish twins with ethan because they were you know Wyatt was born November 18th of 2009, and Ethan was born November November 10th, 
of uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was kind of hectic time. Yeah. You know, especially since Wyatt had been born three and a half months premature. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw him, he looked like something out of the Matrix because his skin hadn't fused. I mean, I couldn't even touch him because if I had laid my hand on his arm, the, the skin would have peeled off on my his eyes were fused. I mean, breathing tube, feeding tube, different pick lines, IVs, monitors, you know. But, uh, you know, that was that was that first spark of getting serious about my faith was in this time period. Because I'm looking at this little boy, you know, and there's that part of my brain that is fighting it because I can't go to pieces because I know she's going to lose it. And there's no way this kid's going to make it. Right. Yeah. The Lord bless this because this kid was so incredibly strong. The third time they had to reintubate him. They just kind of went, well, let's leave it out and see how he does. And he started to thrive. So when he pulled out his feeding tube, they didn't bother putting it back in. Let him go. He got stronger. You know, and he just kept on to this you know, to the last time I saw him, he was just the sweetest little boy. Yeah. You know, because his brother Ethan is so much like me, it's scary. That kid could be up in his room playing for three days and the rest of the world could disappear and he wouldn't know it till the food ran out. <laughs> but, you know, Wyatt would have to come down every hour just because he wanted a hug. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, never... I didn't even have to hardly look at that kid because he was so sensitive. He would just stop what he was doing and figured out he'd done something wrong, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. But anyway, stepping back, cause he was still in that 13 hours of sleep a day phase, you know, taking long naps. And mm-hmm. the first real big thing, we've been out grocery shopping, we get home Get him in the crib, make sure he's settled down. You know, uh, I'd actually started bringing groceries. She'd gone to lay him down. And so I came back in to check on him. And I, for whatever reason, there was a spoon sitting out towards the edge of the, uh, uh, not cabinets. uh, Why am I drawing blank? Counter, sorry. And I had set a couple of cans of soup uh, back by the blacks, the, the backsplash, you know, and one of the bags I had just kind of, you know, pulled it and pulled all the air out of it and laid it down in the line in front of that spoon. So I'm back there and uh, I hear a can fall on the floor. The heck is that? So, you know, it was one of those you kind of had to, a little maze to get out of the back bedroom to the kitchen and get in there and well there's that can of one of those cans of soup that i put on the back of the counter on the floor except it had to would have had to come up over the spoon and the shopping bag you know the plastic shopping bags which right. you know any bit of air is going to move that you know uh there's probably three or four times that uh, you know we would hear a baby crying. It wouldn't mm. be on the monitor. And it wasn't his cry, but you know, you hear a baby cry, you got an infant, 
I'm, you know, doing the, I'm dashing back there to make sure he's okay, you know, just because he'd only been home for a couple of months. So, you know, you're still worried. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't him. You know, like I said, didn't even come across the monitor. All the kids upstairs were at least six. You know, so it wouldn't have been a baby crying. Plus, you know, you can tell where the sound's coming from. And it was coming from that back bedroom. You know, so, and at this point, um, my old dog, which she'll come back in late, a little bit later in this, uh, she was what's called a German hunting terrier. Uh, what it was pre-World War II, it was a Nazi geneticist, had designed these dogs to be the ultimate terrier's terrier and exceptionally hardy. I mean, they're the size of a Jack Russell, but if that dog jumped off the bed in the middle of the night, it literally sounded like you dropped a cinder block on the floor because they have so much muscle. I mean, Lord help you, if you're walking through the house in the middle of the night and accidentally kick the dog, you like to break your foot, you know, <laughs> just because they are that dense of muscle. You know, and the best way to describe these dogs is take the teeth, the temperament, and the coloration of a Rottweiler and jam that down into a Jack Russell. Oh, wow. I mean, their coat is so dense and curly. Most animals can't bite through it. You know, the, the teeth, our old vet, you know, back when we used to breed these dogs, that was his favorite thing. He'd get these dogs up on the exam table, peel back their teeth every time. Wall-to-wall tooth, because, I mean, their teeth were oversized. Yeah. You know, we, my, my dog was the closest one out of eight of them to dying of natural causes because they are so tough and so tenacious and so used to winning. They'll pick a fight with anything, and they usually win. <laughs> but, um, you know, she was very much a guardian, and... Uh, our other dog was Tahoe, which, you know, we got him on uh, the day we got married. You know, and since we couldn't afford a honeymoon, we figured we named the dog after honeymoon destination. There you go. But, uh, yeah, you know, he was a shepherd, German Shepherd Lab mix. and Used to say he was Shepherd pretty, but Lab stupid. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that he was stupid, but he was so happy and good natured and easygoing. You know, you can't think of anything being that, you know, that happy and being smart, but he was. But uh, we noticed the dogs, especially Maddie, the German hunting terrier. She would stare at different points on the wall or the ceiling and growl, which, you know, she was an exceptionally quiet dog. She'd been trained to be, you know, so if she's growling. There's something there, you know, and it's. This happened more and more often. You'd see Tahoe, he'd get real skittish. You know, between the baby crying, the can of soup coming off the counter, the feelings of just the promise of horrible things on that back staircase. You know, it's like, okay, well, we're going to get in touch with, uh, you know, paranormal investigators. You know, because I was new to being a serious Christian. You know, she was, you know, came out of 
Arkansas. You know, Baptist as Baptist could be, you where supernatural isn't, you know, will generally be denied that stuff ever happened. Right. And uh, so we ended up getting in touch, which I'm not even sure they're still going, but it was a guy I'd actually seen on Discoveries of Haunting, David Considine. And, uh, you know, we're going through the interview process, going through my history says, you know, I, I'm, there's something happening in that house, but we're not sure of which is and it's coming from. I says, well, you know, what do you mean? Well, you know, it certainly seems like something's happening. And, uh, you know, one of the members of the team, she was, depending on who she was talking to, she was either psychic or she had a gift of discernment that God would show her things. You know, how much of that was tied to the Catholic Church, how much of that was trying to explain it to most people who don't know, don't understand, and, you know, how, you know, or how much of it was they're playing both ends. I, right. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't try and speculate, but uh says, well, it also sounds like you got a demonic attachment. Huh. You ever been involved in the occult? Well, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now this is making more sense, you know. So they said, you know, whatever's going on with the house itself, we can't do anything about. But you're going to have to handle this through your faith, right? You know. So you know that took a lot of tripling, stumbling over myself through the years. But and at that point, I was working third shift. I was doing, you know, night security slash valet for you know, a downtown Cleveland uh, hotel. So, you know, I usually would leave for work about nine o'clock. It always seemed to hit that fever pitch right about the time I was leaving for work. Because there was about a dozen nights that, you know, we had the dog kennels in the kitchen, or I'm sorry, in the dining room, which butted up against the master bedroom. And, uh, I was really sure that my dog was going to destroy her kennel trying to get out and get at whatever this thing is. And oh, wow. I was fairly, fairly certain Tahoe was going to bust out the other end and dig through the wall to get in the bedroom with my ex-wife to get away from it. <laughs> but um, so one night we're going to this again. And for whatever reason, I keep trying to keep, get the dogs calmed down knowing it's not going to work. So, uh, but I just, I had stepped back to the little hallway and we just had the one bathroom, but out of the lower corner of the door and floor, this gray mist comes through and it really, beyond how it showed itself, it really threw me off because it was, it looked like a sheet of paper just folding in and over itself and you know, almost like some kind of, uh, you know, art house type of animation of folding paper. And what the reason it threw me off so bad was I actually flashed back to a dream I'd forgotten about, you know, probably like seven to nine year old range. It was a nightmare. And, you know, back in the house I grew up in that, uh, well, let me clarify I was about seven or nine when I had the dream. 
and that uh, I woke up and up at the ceiling, you know, near the overhead light, there was this yellow sheet of light that was folding over itself like that. You know, it was one of those, even in the dream, I was petrified. By the time I could finally break away and dash out of the room, leading into other parts of a nightmare that, you know, don't necessarily make sense. I, you know, my dad's trying to smother the burning carcass of a donkey in their closet, you know, so, wow. you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of the rest of that dream actually applies to anything, but, uh, you know, it was that folding sheet, you know, cause I, I even that moment you're astonished, you flash back to that dream and just stop and watch it for a minute, you know, and it was probably going for maybe 45 seconds. It's just right down there towards the floor you know in the doorway just folding on itself continuously over and over and new parts of it would kind of roll out of the back and then be folded in you know it was just a gray mist which is the only thing i've ever seen like that you know you know it didn't have as the sh- as sharp and defined in edges as it did in my dream right uh you know, it was that same type of movement. You know, keep in mind that dream happened well before any hint of the occult was in my life. You know, in fact, that was right in the heart of the time uh, that we were members of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And, um, yeah, so, you know, but it does lead into what up until recently in fact as recently as when i got with you again wanting to go oh yeah i forgot a bunch of stuff (laughs) i i'd had hundreds of dreams of the future but they were the most useless dreams of the future ever because there was never anybody in it there was never sound there was never context it was just these random snapshots Mm. literal still images of things i would see you know, and there for, you know, mid-teens to mid-twenties, you know, it would happen, you know, 10, 20 times a year, I'd see the snapshot and go, why? Why was I shown this? What's the purpose? Right. You know, and I mean, there are literally hundreds of these incidents, you know, and the most useful one I'd ever had, and this is where I'm really going to date myself, was... uh didn't have sound but i had a moving image because it was back in the early 2000s and my next girlfriend was breaking up with me via chat room <laughs> yeah so you know yeah that was the closest to anything useful up until very recently within the last two or three years and I'd only had one or two <clears throat> up until the last probably six months that you served any purpose. Cause I would still occasionally get that random snapshot of, Oh yeah, I dreamed this. Okay. I, I don't get it. Whatever. Move on. <clears throat> but uh, the cool thing is it's over the last two years when I have, I've had several times, I know exactly the conversation I'm having. I recognize the person I'm having the conversation with. 
And it's allowed me to change the conversation to keep from getting myself in trouble or starting a stupid argument. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it's so it, it's really great. And back probably the most vivid one before I moved Rochelle out here, uh, we were on the phone. I don't remember what we were talking to, but it was going to be, it was heading towards an argument. You know, and it was enough that I knew every word I was going to say, what every word she was going to say after that. It was just like, no, it doesn't matter. This is a stupid argument. There's no point in it. Just let it go and back out of the conversation. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and the frustrating part is, is when you have the dream, it's sealed up. You don't know what the time frame is. You don't know when and where. And you completely forget about it till you're in that moment. Mm, so, so it's kind of like deja vu. Yeah. 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 Like you said, up up until probably the last two, two and a half years, and it's only really increased in the last six months, it was always some random snapshot of inanimate objects with no context and no apparent purpose. Wow. Well, let me ask you this too. Um, did these snapshots did they only come to you while you were sleeping, or did it happen to you like throughout the day, like almost like a vision, like a prophetic view, or dreams only? Wow, it's interesting. Yeah. So, but. Uh... To tie this back into the to the dog, Maddie, um, you know, I, I've heard reports of this, that every time I've read a report of this, it's within six months before or after the animal dies. Except this was about two years before she had to be put down because, you know, she was going blind and she was already... German hunting terriers are not for people who don't know what they're doing with the dog. I mean, you have to be very serious. You know, in fact, nowadays, uh, breeders will not sell to you unless you are an established uh, hunter, you know, and use hunting dogs daily because, you know, this dog, this is how <laughs> ferocious these dogs can be. Uh, Maddie was uh from my uh from my mother's dog's first litter and these are just the type of dogs they're going to have fights a couple times a year you know because of their coat the dog's not getting hurt even though they're just tearing it up and ripping out chunks of fur and everything else and my dad made the cardinal sin he reached in to grab one of the dogs and just in the flash of an eye he had to have eight stitches across his knuckles mm. by sheer accidents because the dogs never bit down, you know, because as fast as they were going and, and worked up as they were, they knew my dad and were not going to mess with my dad. In fact, it took us about three hours to find the dogs inside the house. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, um, you know, on, so with her going blind, she eventually had to be put down. But two years prior, I had probably four or five times that this happened between two different houses. 
that uh, I would see Maddie walk into the room. You know, you always catch it out of the corner of your eye and you look in it and then you realize, wait, that ain't Maddie. Because that's completely black. No shine. Hmm. You know, but you see the perfect outline of a shadow drawing in all the light. You know, and there was even twice the dog was literally laying up against my hip and I saw the dog trot into the room. You know, because she had a very distinctive trot. And it was the exact same. And it was before we were at this haunted house. You know, with the the demonic manifestations. Right. You know, so, like you said, probably four or five times that happened, you know, hmm. within six months. And that was two years before we had to put her down. I was going to colleges, so, you know, we weren't going to be in a place where we could really have a dog, period, let alone that difficult of a breed. You know, by then she was about, 16 years old and going blind so it's like okay I hate to do it but you know something bad's going to happen if we don't fix the situation but uh, you know that one threw me off you know because like I said every time I've heard accounts of that it's always six months before or six months after the dog dies what do you think that was then <sighs> I I really don't have an answer because, you know, it's one of those that you realize that's not the dog, even though you're looking at it, center your focus. You know, it's not like you're just catching this out of the corner of your eye. It's very physically there. You start looking around for where the dog is, and by the time you look back, it's gone. Mm. Okay, so you're you know, able to actually, like, lock in on this dog. Yeah. You know, it was the same size proportions. Like I said, she was no bigger than your average Jack Russell. Right. So, you know, could that have been the, the only thing I could really come up with was that the start of the demonic manifestations. You know, does it do a slow build to acclimate you to its presence type of thing? Right. Come in. Just, um, yeah. Every, you know, unless it was piggybacking, because every time this particular entity, I knew it was there. Even if I hadn't seen it, hadn't felt anything else, I'd have that same headache every time. So I guess that kind of shoots that out, unless it, well, you know, was something else piggybacking on it. Well, so. that's interesting. That, that's, that's weird that, because it, it would be, I don't know. I don't see how it could be the the spirit of that particular dog, or you know, or yeah. her energy, or anything like that. Uh, but she's still super vital, you know, years before she would pass. Um, yeah, it, it seems like you, you know, you're obviously a dog lover. Something was trying to mm -hmm. come to you in in an innocent kind of way, you know, like you said, it might have been the start of that demonic manifestation. You know, for some people, yeah, you know, a, a ghost child will appear and they're like, oh, she's harmless. Or it'll be grandma lives in the attic. Or it'll, you know, for you, maybe it was this this sweet little puppy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, the more I think about it, because 
you know, everybody I know, aside from my mom, has a ghost story. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, part of that probably is, you know, because my father was always adamant that whether it was ghosts or UFOs or aliens, it's all some kind of demonic manifestation. Which now even my dad's gone back on that because he had it happen twice. Um, My grandmother, his mom, I'm not the type of person to say somebody's an angel. She was an angel. Right. I mean, I, you know, she was, if I tell you her name is Roberta Lee, do you need me to describe where she's from? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because she, she was from the, you know, coal mining country, you know, I forget whether it was West Virginia or Kentucky. Yeah. You know, just hardworking. I mean, she'd be up before grandpa to get my uncle jerry going for work and pack his lunch make his breakfast sit there and have coffee with him yeah she cleaned the kitchen grandpa up for second shift as an electrician get his breakfast and lunch and you know she'd still be going cleaning the house make his dinner when he came home at 11 o'clock and be the last one to bed and the first one up in the morning you know and there's only one time I can remember her not having a smile on her face, you know, and she had to be every bit that loving, wonderful of a person to counteract grandpa, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and she, uh, you know, cause my dad has had her visit him in a dream twice. You know, the first one was a few weeks after she died and, 97 you know and then one was a couple years later when he was at a very very much a low point you know that's the hard part for me because just anecdotally demons know so much about us Mm -hmm. you know they can mimic people but then we also serve a god that can do anything that's right and can get Give us some type of manifestation when needed. You know, that that muddies the waters for me, you know, because especially my dad has always been very analytical. You know, and he he always breaks down Bible is, you know, anything to do with religion or the supernatural, very nuts and bolts like. You know, even if it's something he may not completely understand, he's going to look at it from analytical end. And for him to, you know, granted that that's his mom, a very loving Christian mother. So, yeah, there's going to be that emotional reaction. But my dad's not one that gets carried away by emotion. So, you know, that that does muddy the waters for me personally a bit. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's the closest I have to a ghost story is that dog. Wow. Although, sparks me to thinking because uh, both of my parents have Ouija board stories. Because um, there Dad it is. was at a yeah. <laughs> well, Dad was at a party, uh, so it was probably about seventy-two because he was fresh out of the Marine Corps. You know, and 
he didn't want to mess with it at all. But, you know, he was studying with Jehovah's Witnesses at the time. And somebody, you know, broke out the Ouija board. Hey, Gary, you want to ask it a question? And my dad being the interrogator and kind of smart aleck that he is. Yeah. What's God's name? J-E-H. And then the planchette explodes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, and then uh, mom, when she was a uh, real, you know, like preteen, you know, Girl Scouts type thing. Again, somebody else, she had no interest in it, really. But they talked her into putting her hands on the planchette. She was the only person that could get an answer out of that board. Hmm. If, it, you know, she took her hands off it, it stopped moving. Wouldn't move for nothing. She touched it, that thing goes straight into overdrive. So, but then again, my mom is the most, I want nothing to do with aliens or the supernatural. You know, she's just literally takes a hard line of, I want nothing to do with it whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, right, so you know. So where are you at with this? Like with uh, this I don't want to call it a shadow dog because it had a form and a color and everything on the side of the road. And then you have this, this dog entity uh, entering your home, inside your home. Um, the smoke, the eight foot tall shadow person. What do you think all this is? At a certain point, I think, you know, with like, the, the shadow person, you know, and the dog on the side of the road. I, it comes to me is, you know, this is the way I rationalize it in my brain. Not saying I'm an expert, not saying there's any reason you should believe me over anybody else. It's just random spiritual occurrences, most likely inspired by the devil, just because that's who I am, the way I look at things. All right that you know you just happen across you know because northwestern colorado and you know western nebraska there ain't a whole lot of people the veil gets thin you will see random weird stuff that you you can't put your finger on yeah you know and it's not so much a knee-jerk reaction at this point in my life that everything's demonic but a lot of things are, you know, because it so easily pulls people down this rabbit trail and out of the Bible rather that, you know, because the way I look at this stuff, okay, this is a phenomena. What's the Bible say? Right. You know, and it's so it's one of those, is everything demonic? No. When it's very noticeable. You know, I'm not a big believer in the stone teeth theory, but there's very likely at least something to it that, you know, certain events are going to imprint in a certain way. You know, I, I see nothing in the Bible that says our spirits can linger. But then again, you know, you run into Saul and the witch of Endor. That freaked her out because... You know, uh, who was the prophet in that? I apologize. I know. Um, that's Samuel. 
I think. Yeah, I wanted to say saw him. He showed up. Yeah. Yeah. He showed up, and that freaked her out. She was used to her spirit guides. Right. She didn't know what to do when the prophet of God showed up. Right. So, you know, so it, it is possible, and it does happen, you know, at least as I understand the Bible on this point in time, because let's face it, the Christian walk is a series of revelations. It never stops. You know, there's so many layers that, you know, you know, to say I've got it all figured out, you'd have, uh, I'd have to be an idiot to say I've got it all figured out. (laughs) That's right. That's all of us, man. It's it's yeah. something new every time I open the Bible, you know. Yeah. So, apologize. I just got to get my phone on a charger here. Oh, you're good. But, uh, but anyways, you know, and that's that's the hard part too is not rushing to judgment. You know, it's be still and listen because God's going to speak to us about everything if we are attentive enough and let him, you know, a lot of times, at least for me personally, yeah, something happened. Quit worrying about it. Do what you're supposed to be doing. So that's it, you know? And so, you know, and that's the thing I'm hoping somebody's going to, you know, I'll, you know, that people will start talking and be able to give me some feedback. But then again, I also know I'm very real about who I am. Probably, you know, other than a few people making some, paying some general attention, that's not likely to happen. We'll see what God's got in store and go from there. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, and that's, but yeah, you know, we actually, at the end of the last episode, we got talking, you know, you asked what I thought aliens were, mm-hmm. you know, and do I believe it's demonic? Yes, but I, wanted to kind of clarify it a little bit i guess the best way you know if anybody's familiar with timothy alberino josh peck yeah you know those are two probably the most formative ones for how i view this stuff just because it's demonic doesn't mean it's not physical you know whether it's you know you have the alien grays there's a lot of evidence to say it's lights and clockwork, no soul. So that would make them a fit extension for something to interact in the 3d universe. Right. You know, but then you have these others that are, you know, uh, the Nordics or the insect, you know, praying mantis ones, you know, and others that come across, I've heard descriptions of them. They're just straight demonic with wings and horns and everything else. Yeah. And uh, one of the best things that really helped me to kind of wrap my head around all this from Josh Peck is, well, you know, who says angels and demons don't have technology? You know, which, you know, is where it really broke it apart to where I could start diving into the multidimensional theory, you know, of when it talks of the first, second and third heaven you know, and even hell being the zero dimension, then we have the three dimensions we live in. You have the second heaven being higher planes, you know, that incorporate more uh, 
axes and more ways to measure dimension that we can't even conceive of. And then that's still clearly separate from the third heaven being the direct unfiltered presence of God. Right. You know, to me, that would be the completion of the entirety of, you know, whether it's four, 11, 12, or 370,000 dimensions. Yeah. You know, and that's the best understanding. You know, I look at it as it, you know, it's ultra, you know, apologize i had the term in my head and i've lost it but that basically yeah angels have a physical body that exists in a higher dimension so they have access to abilities we don't being confined to our four dimensions Mm. and since the the devils would be angels that kept not their first estate there's still some kind of physicality to that in my mind. Right. You know, it, you know, it makes sense then why you would have demons separate from devils or powers, principalities, you know, the cosmic crotters, all of that is because they are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, which is why they want to be in a body so bad. And when they get into a body, they sink to the levels of depravity. And then the body starts to die because of the lack of the natural spirit. You know, so could UFOs crash? Well, if angels are flying around in some kind of craft, battling it out with fallen angels in some kind of craft, yeah, something's going to hit the ground. Yeah. You know, ultra terrestrial. That's kind of the way I wanted to put it. I apologize. Yeah, I knew where you, you were know, going. I, I, was, you know, I was going to throw that out there that the John was the John Keel used to use use that term a lot too. The ultra terrestrials. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that gets you into Agartha, you know, Hollow Earth, you know, the Tool Society in Nazi Germany and things like that. You know, because they are so, you know, so many of the Nazi brass were so adamant that they're more advanced designs they actually got from trannelling sessions with the Vril maidens from the Vril or the tool mm-hmm. you know you know and that it makes it all make sense not that's you know the highest form of proof but you know it's at least something we need to be made aware of you know and then people will how do you know God didn't make aliens on another planet well i don't but i think if they were going to show up it would have been important enough for god to let us know about right you know and then you get into daniel and revelation you know and you have these just completely crazy depictions of otherworldly creatures you know, well, we also know that in uh, Enoch, you know, the book of Enoch, it wasn't just that they were blending their, you know, with humanity. They were sinning against the plants and the animals as well. So who knows what they decided to make? Right. You know, and then you have, you know, if you have you ever researched much with CERN? Yes, I have. 
you know, they're very fleet with talking about opening up portals into other dimensions and seeing these entities. Yes, and you know, and then you got yeah, you know, and in a way that helps to muddy the waters, I think, because you're always going to have that group of people that's going to, oh, they were messing with you, or you know, they're going to try and explain it away. You know, and we're stepping into realms that science can't can't really quantify not not in a way that the human mind could understand. That you know, it's going to muddy the waters, and we reach a level of knowledge where I just don't know anymore. You know, nobody can wrap their head around it, so most people just give up trying to understand it. Right. You know, and you know, you're talking about you know, everything to do with the end times deception. Well, you know, what would cause most people to question their faith and the veracity of the Bible. And it's not even so much that they would question their faith, but they would start expanding into, you know, whether it's Gnostics, theosophy, you know, a million other derivations of everything to say, well, okay, the Bible's not the final authority. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't have all the answers. It gives us what we need to know. Maybe we ought to pay more attention to it because people are going to choose to worship the image of the beast. Yes, they will. You know, so it's one of those, you know, even with Bigfoot, is Bigfoot a spiritual being or a physical being? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, how much do we really understand about this stuff? Not not as much as we would like to think we do. So yeah. at that, a certain point, you know, it. yeah, you can yeah, you can study it, but you're not gonna understand the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. You know, and so it's one of those I keep a, an open mind, but I'm wary of everything. You know, because there are so many people i believed in so wholeheartedly and you find out this horrific thing that they did but then you have to add back in you know one of my favorite sayings about myself you know if god could use balaam's dumb ass to speak he can use this dumb ass to speak <laughs> and, you know because even balaam rendered prophecy from the lord right against his own will essentially yeah you know so god can use people who are not saved and horrible people to do miraculous things absolutely he can and you know you so. you were nailing so many things that basically sum up the journey of this whole show you know i started off three and a half years ago thinking i knew what bigfoot was thinking i knew what aliens yeah. were you know I, I sit here and I collected stories. You know, I've, I've got, I think this episode maybe is like number 200. You know, so I, I got a lot of people I've spoken to. And as everything starts coming together and all the research that I've done, because you have to keep up, you know, and you have to expand. You got to open your mind and the reality of my faith and everything just starts pulling together and it it mm -hmm. brings you to a point 
you know? And that's why this last year or year, year and a half of the show, you know, I've been so much more outspoken and just forthright about what I've been led to, uh, to discuss, you know, to talk about, to, to uncover We're supposed to expose the darkness, right? And that's just yeah. where it's at. And I've, I've gotten some hate mail, but I've gotten a lot more uh, love than hate. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think you're just, you're just, you're speaking my love language here, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's even the thing I've noticed because I can remember there for a while, I almost completely stopped listening because it was one of the fireside chats with you and your dad and you were talking about, you know, something to do with reincarnation. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of those is like, ooh, and then thrown into Catholic element. How much do I want to keep listening? But, you know, it was one of those, you know what, keep going. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff I listen to that I vehemently disagree with. Oh, me too. Yeah. But, you know, there is value in sharpening your understanding you know, and it's going to cause you, if you're doing it right, to refer back to God and the Bible. Yeah. You know, because there's both the word, but then there's the Holy Spirit inspiration to understand the word. Because I've read the same passage 12 times and come to understand it on five or six different levels. And I know I'm going to find a different level eventually, too. Right. You know, because the Bible in and of itself, you know, at least to the way I view the world, is multidimensional because there are layers of meanings, you know, and different applications that go so deep and, you know, will tie back into themselves that if you think the Bible contradicts itself, you know, contradicts itself, you're not really reading for effect there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. You you just read it again. <laughs> yeah. Read it again. It's the that's an example of what what um, Ephesians three refers to as the manifold wisdom of God. There's so yeah. many angles. Um, he yeah. he is his ways are so much higher. Um, when he'll, he blesses yeah. us with those revelations, you know, we just need to cling to him and keep seeking. He'll he'll give us the wisdom, but we got to look for it. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that, you know, even with the stuff you've done with Vicki Joy Anderson, even the episode with Susie I heard today, it's like, you know, A, it's keep going, brother. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And, you know, it causes me, hey, you were starting to enter into an area of judgment where you were outside your lane. You better start looking at yourself a whole lot closer than you're looking at everybody else. So. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what it comes down to, because, yeah, they're going to be there are people I've known. OK, it, it's uh, I don't. It doesn't profit me to know this person and be in any kind of communion with them. But then there are other people that really got this person. You know, but then you start to understand the way they express themselves and the level that is going on inside their head. And you start to go, wow, I need to know this person because, you know, they just massively shifted how I view everything. That's right. 
you know so it, it's you know and that's the hard part is you know the bible says you know we're we're gazing into a mirror darkly yeah you know and there's going to be things you miss the first 10,000 times you see it and then suddenly you catch that one little sideways aspect that just throws everything straight into focus you know so it's one of those at this point i'm more careful but i listen to a whole lot broader <sighs> range of things than i ever used to you know because you know there have been stories yeah i would have listened to it for entertainment a year ago now i'm discerning i'm going to god yeah. i'm analyzing you know Unfortunately, right now I'm in that period of uh, I'm hearing way too much Mike Heiser of, yeah, that sounds great. And it is weird. But reel it back in because it ain't that weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The I'm missing Mike Heiser right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's. Well, between you know, him and Russ Bizdar, you know. You can either be upset that they're gone or be grateful to God that such men lived. And now I need to start moving that direction, too. I need to get more involved. Amen. You, you know, and so. But, yeah. So. Well, you got any questions? I I don't think I do. I think we've pretty much dug through all of it. Um one question i can i can look and see through this uh eight foot tall thin silhouette well nope i answered it myself he was in coveralls that's weird that's just a yeah. weird one man well you know and that's the thing how did i understand that level of detail from a transparent shadow <laughs> you right. know i mean not completely transparent you know it was fairly thick yeah but where does that level of detail come from which you know starts your brain to twitching of <clears throat> you know the examination of okay am i adding detail that i didn't really notice at the time or was i detail that i didn't think hard enough on to catch on until i started speaking about it or you know was this some you know mental aspect of the phenomena that you don't catch it first, but eventually expands. I, you know, I'd love to give you an answer. I just don't have it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Garrett, you know, it's always a blessing to talk to you, brother. I you know too. it takes it takes us forever to lock down a good day and time, but it's worth it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm I thank you for being patient with me. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, if you want to edit this part out. Uh, but I had the thought today, don't know exactly why, maybe one of these days at a conference, we can get a few of us that have been on and sit down with you and have a round table of, you know, our experiences and kind of compare notes. It might be something interesting, might be a waste of time, but it's a thought. Well, I think that's a great thought. If we can't do it in a conference, maybe we can do it in a Zoom call or something one of these days. Well, um you get the notion for it you let me know but if you're going to be in uh or around northern ohio 
October 6th, 7th, and 8th, I'll be up there for a conference. Um, where are you going to be? Uh, where are you going to be at? Ada, Ohio, at um, Ohio Northern University. I think that's what it's called. Um, you know, I'd have to look that up because I'm I'm in Cleveland, so yeah, I'm, I'm not right far there from on Cleveland. Lake Erie, so. Let me let me look. I I don't yeah. typically get on my phone, but let's see. Um, <laughs> well, I get on my phone all the time, but not during the show. It's two hours. Yeah, maybe two and a half hours from, from okay. Cleveland to Ada. But yeah, man, there's gonna be uh six podcasters out there, six shows. Um, to yeah. kill mockingbirds, uncomfortable, Appalachian intelligence, hollow sky, cryptids of the corn, and me. Um, we'll be out there for a full weekend, and uh, yeah. it's, it's going to be like a real small, low key setting. It's going to be it's gonna be pretty good. Good conversations will be had. <laughs> yeah, well, I might be able to just because I know uh, usually the first week or two of hockey season i'm light on games that that's my second job as a referee hockey so okay we'll have to see yeah but absolutely well if i can break away from hunting season you, you can break away from <laughs> <laughs> with what i make in a hockey season <laughs> that that massively supplements my income for the entire year so. i guarantee we'll it bro. <laughs> i guarantee it all right. all right you have a good evening man and god bless and thank you again you too, sir. Keep it going. Keep letting the Lord lead you. Will do. Thanks, brother. Yeah. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there. Uh, explore the website check it all out if you want to sign up to be a member it's super cheap it's just $1.75 a week you can cancel at any time get in on uh, all the the new latest and greatest stuff we have going on all right so again thanks for listening i love you god bless
where the tree of life is blooming, where the has not been told by this. No more tears. It will have to be No more sickness, no more heartache in that land. A perfect day. personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
on my knees I pray I ask the Lord for some better days Yes I Better day. 